This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Sarah Nannan on the line. Sarah, how are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me. Great to have you here. You are the author of Grief Unveiled, and it's a very, very powerful story of uh, what you experienced, and and you know you redefined your life after it, and and now helps so many people with uh, really coming to grips with with grief and how to properly grieve in life. So, share with the audience uh, the backstory. You know what what motivated you to to write this very important book, and and some of the awesome things you're doing. Sure. Well, about a year after my late husband died in 2014, I found myself really on an active path searching for support in not just grief, but how to patch together my life after loss and make sense of it as a young woman and a young mother without this man that I had spent 14 years with. And what I kept running into and being offered was survival skills, coping strategies, and a lot of you know, adages about the idea that time heals all. It was all a really passive offering. And so I went on this pretty intense searching quest for proactive support that felt like it had room for inspiration and growth and hope and even hope for healing. And along the way, I experienced this really incredible personal transformation because I really came to understand myself my emotions, the scope of the human experience on a whole new level, and also this idea of taking radical ownership of my life and what came next after the death of someone I loved so deeply. And so I wrote this book because I wanted to give people, A, the belief in something more than settling for a scraped together second best kind of life after we have a painful life transition or loss but also to give people some tools about how to move in that direction. And that's what's crucial is, you know, I'm sure everyone has experienced significant loss or losses in their life, whether it's, you know, the loss of a loved one, a loss of a relationship, even a job, you know, something that you, you went, were full into, you made it a huge part of your life. And then all of a sudden it's no longer there and it can be really catastrophic to your self belief. And all of a sudden negative self-talk kicks in and you think I can never be the same. Well, we, throughout our life, we change, you know, we grow, we evolve and our life experiences if we use them wisely, you can help us, you know, become, you know, a better version of ourselves than what we were before. And taking, you know, those those losses and those um, life challenges and, and using them to to grow and to and to live a life um, that's rich and full for yourself, so you can be, you know, the best version of yourself to others is so crucial. Absolutely. And I think, you know, beyond just negative self-talk, there's this total loss of identity, the sense of self, because so much of the way the world works now is that our identity, our worth is really connected to our relationships and our livelihoods. 
And when one or both of those are impacted, we literally don't even know how to be who we are anymore. We don't know who we are anymore. And we certainly don't know how to get either back to or toward whoever we're becoming. And so it can become really overwhelming. And, and I 100% agree with everything that you just offered about allowing our painful life transitions to inform the way ahead. And at the same time, I think it's really important to acknowledge the fact that when you're in the midst of that deep pain, all of that stuff feels so impossibly out of reach because we're operating from this idea that we're just supposed to either fake it till we make it or wait for time to heal the pain. And it becomes this really passive experience that's exhausting and disempowering and leaves us without any hope because we don't have a model in our culture for what do I do when I'm in this pit of pain? I love this idea of a silver lining or a magical transition, but I don't know that that's a real thing. I've never experienced that for myself. How do I even do that? Yeah, it's it's one of those things where, like you said, there's there really isn't a training manual per se. Okay, when you go through a significant loss, follow these ten steps and you'll come out of it better. No, it it, it doesn't exist, and even attempts to um, you know help people with that oftentimes have failed because it there's it's lacking perspective on things. You know, and, you know sure. my own personal you know, journey of, of significant loss and, you know, of my, you know, my health, my job, my car, my home a decade ago, mm-hmm. you know, going through all of those things, um, especially when you're in the middle of it, what helped me was the fact that, okay, this is, yes, something that I'm not happy about, but I can't change anything about what happened. I can change and impact what will happen down the road in the future what what can I do right now and just literally what can I do at this particular moment in time to mitigate or minimize the impact that this is causing and you know one thing that I that I did recognize uh, you know several years later because like I said all of that happened 10 years ago was I didn't grieve um, to where I felt I should have Mm-hmm. Uh, on all of those things and and that's that's something i think many many people don't give themselves the the proper time to to grieve and how long as long as it takes you know it, it's you know it's not like okay all right, you're gonna grieve for 30 minutes and then you're gonna be done with it no that's that's not for some people maybe that's it great i'm jealous of those people quite frankly but um but on other aspects of it for me you know, I recognize that I didn't really grieve those losses until, you know, much later on where I thought, okay, I need to really hone in on this and, and properly grieve this so I can really, you know, grow from it, learn from it, move on from it and, and honor and honor those experiences. I know a lot of people think, wait a minute, you're honoring all of those losses. Oh, well, yeah, because mm-hmm. it, those things happen to me. Um, in my particular situation, they were things that uh, were put in place by my behaviors, how I approach life, my health, lifestyle, all of the things, and other, obviously, external factors as well. But I realized that I did have uh, a big part in a lot of those things, and 
you know, it was a, a big decision for me. It's like, okay, do I want to ever go through those things again? Of course, the answer is no. So it's like, okay, what do I need to do to help prevent those things from happening again? And write down, get granular with health, financial choices, how, you know, how I go about my work, what do I do? What, you know, just making sure that I, you know, did everything to the best of my ability uh, with no shortcuts or, or things just because it was convenient, but to do things the right way. And uh, it's made such a huge difference in my life. Um, but yeah, I know that's you know, something we talked about in the pre-show a little bit is, you know, taking the, you know, the right amount of time and, and how to grieve, because I think that again, is one of those things that people quite frankly don't know how to do. Absolutely. And I am so glad you mentioned that because there's a really interesting thing people aren't talking about in the grief support institutions and modalities. And that is what you just alluded to, which is this need, this desperate need for us to compartmentalize our grief and the pain that's associated with it so that we can feel safe. And part of what's so fascinating is that in this blueprint that I teach people how to move beyond survival, that's a piece that I think is really missing from the conversation is the physiological, embodied, biological responses that our body goes through when we experience a loss that is devastating to our existence, our identity in the world. It feels like our own life or death moment. And so all of these systems in our bodies get activated because we feel so endangered by the loss and then also by the perceived judgment from all the people who are observing our grief. And we get locked into this survival mode situation and call it grief. And what we're not even doing is getting to the actual grieving because we're spending so much time protecting ourselves from the pain. And the pain is actually a part of a hardwired, deeply ingrained mental and emotional response to that loss that initiated the grief that helps us process the reality of what happened and integrate it into the reality that comes as a result of it. And so we've really got to start talking more about how do we support ourselves even on a physiological level within this experience called grief so that we can feel it and express it in ways that are healthy to our mental and emotional selves so that our physical self can also be in a state of homeostasis. And it's, none of it's separate. And I think it's really important to call it out because you know we're here talking about these concepts of stress and burnout and how do we step into life in a more meaningful way. And I can't think of an experience in the human journey that comes with more stress and potential burnout than faking it till you make it, trying to compartmentalize grief, not giving the grief the airtime that it needs to be processed. So this to me is where we have to start getting a handle and resetting our biological experience of the pain, the grief, the fear before we can ever get to the emotional, mental, inner psychic landscape stuff. It's so crucial. And, you know, I worked in the healthcare sector for a dozen years and, you know, stress was huge, huge, um, cause of most of the patient visit, visits in, in the primary care clinics that I was in. But one of the things that I've noticed from a society standpoint, especially when it comes to pain, is you know, people don't want to feel pain. Mm-hmm. And 
and we see that based on the opioid crisis. Mm -hmm. We see that in the you know, increase in uh, people using CBD oil in you know, areas and in, in mm -hmm. states that you know, have legalized uh, that because you know, they don't want to feel pain. And I know many people, it's like, oh, I have a headache, and they rush to you know, the Motrin or the Tylenol. And, you know, the first, you know, question, you know, I ask, especially if it's, you know, if it's a you know, daughter of mine or, you know, somebody I know, it's like, well, how long have you had the headache? You know, five minutes. I'm like, um, why don't you wait a little bit? It could just be something that's going to, you know, drink some water or something, go out to the side, you know, maybe do some breathing exercise. It's just, mm -hmm. just wait because uh, our society you know, has this, we don't want to feel any pain, so we dull it. Uh, and again, yeah. with the with the opioid crisis and, you know, the countless number of people that have died because of the improper usage of, of the medications and, quite frankly, the overprescribing of it in many situations, not diminishing people, they have chronic pain by any stretch. But, you know, there's a lot of people, I think, that just immediately run to that quick fix and not actually listen to their body and let your body tell you what's going on. And one of the key things my physician told me after my cardiac event was you're going to be more aware of your body than you've ever been before in your life, which is completely true. I feel things and, and I notice things a lot sooner than I did before. And again, I look at it and go, okay, I've got a little bit of a headache. Okay. What, you know, what's going on? Have, you know, when was the last time I ate something? You know, did I, is you know seasonal allergy season is always fun for me so i'm like okay what is that is you know maybe it's dry in the house or just you know i don't run to the tylenol and 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 pop two of those all the time because it's like eh, i don't i want my body to tell me what's going on and if it's just a five second thing or you know a couple minutes then you go through it in the situation with you know feeling the pain of loss and grief feel it because it's your body working things through you know something's been introduced to you your body it's an amazing thing that our bodies can do this that it can work through this yes there's some pain and then as your body works through that it's like okay now we can deal with the emotional factors of things but if we suppress that pain we're basically just trying to stuff into it's kind of like the jack-in-the-box we're just trying to stuff that thing back in but it wants to pop out again and until you deal with it, it's always going to be there and it can fester and all that stuff. You know, one of my favorite quotes, and I forget who said it, uh, says, what you resist persists. Mm -hmm. And when you resist feel, grieving and, and feeling the pain to feel it through, um, the long-term effects of this could be quite damaging. Absolutely. What you're describing is this go-to life hack that we modern Americans, modern humans have, which is uh, numbing whatever short-term, long-term, physical, emotional pain we perceive upon arrival. We want a quick fix and we want it now. And what we've got to open our minds to is this idea of being curious about what the pain is communicating to you, what it needs from you. And that requires us to take responsibility to be proactive in response to the pain. And, and, you know, some people would say, well, I am proactive. I pop a Motrin when I get a headache. And beyond just 
taking action is taking ownership and saying, well, could it be that I haven't had any water to drink today? And the headache is signaling to me to go get some water. Could it be that I got three hours of sleep last night and perhaps tonight I need to prioritize getting more sleep? And the same thing happens when it's an emotional discomfort. The difference between pain and suffering is literally just feeling as though you have a voice in the experience. So you're not disempowered, you're empowered through the experience and you're also supported by a compassionate witness who's going to walk beside you and support you along the way. Those two things are part of what we have to call into our everyday experiences, whether it's our physical health or our mental health. And let's be honest, they're not separate things. So getting really clear about how we support ourselves in our day, how we choose to feed ourselves, how we choose to move our bodies, how we choose to schedule our days, all impacts our ability to choose something other than numbing. And there's some really, really simple things that we can do, regardless of the cause or the source of our pain, to help us be able to be with it, feel safe being with it, and move through it. Because that's the thing people don't know is that when, we're, when we choose not to numb, like you called out really clearly, and instead be with it and move with it day by day by day, it actually alleviates the pain. It helps heal the pain. It helps us move through it to the sweetness on the other side that people don't know exists when we're willing to walk through it. It's so crucial to and feel, you know, what your body's telling you. And yes, pain is not comfortable. We all know that. Um, and it's because it's your body is telling you, okay, this isn't going to be comfortable, but the self-care and we hear a lot of that you know especially with you know the, the stress and burnout and all the things that are be talked that are talked about in society today it, you know self-care is is crucial but a lot of people think well what is what does that mean and mm-hmm. a big component of self-care is you know being your own best champion your own cheerleader love yourself you are so unique everyone is um, there's only one of you and you're, you've been with you your entire life, you know, and it's like we, we, things come and go, friends come and go, relationships come and go, jobs come and go. We used to live with our parents. Now most of us don't, you know, all of these things, you know, there's life changes. You are always with you and you need to be very caring and supportive and aware of yourself. And when you are, then when you again, feel you know, pain, you can, you can feel it and go, okay, what is this? And without judgment. And I think that's, that's a big thing too, is when you're feeling, you, 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 you explained it perfectly on, you know, when you're, when you're feeling pain, you're like, okay, or headache or anything, you know, what could be the cause of this instead of, oh, why do I got a headache or how do I make it go away? Yeah. And instead of why, because if you if you seek to understand why you are feeling what you're feeling, you can address those things and and you know make some tweaks to again get through them, so you don't have to go through them again. You know when you when you grieve something, you, will, you know, the goal I would think would be to fully grieve what you need to grieve, so you don't have to grieve 
again about it. You can reflect on it. You can be sad about it or, or, or other emotions will come in, but you, you want, you want to be able to grieve what you need to grieve completely and not in, you know, 15 minute segments. Okay. It's convenient for me to grieve it here there. It, you know, it's, everybody's different when it comes to that, but um, not grieving things as, as I you know, mentioned earlier, I think impacted you know, my personal growth and the ability to move on from um, those experiences to the best of my ability. And after grieving it, 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 I you know, noticed, you know, quite a difference as far as all types of aspects of my life. Absolutely. I love that you brought self-care and self-love into this conversation. And to be honest, I think those terms, while are beautiful and embody exactly what we're talking about. They can feel really elusive to people who are in pain. And I, the way that I talk about this is more, um, instead of using the words pain or grief or even stress or burnout, I talk about us being in survival mode because that's what's happening again at that biological level. And within survival mode, our bodies, our brains, our hormones, all of the systems that make up this incredible symphony of the human body, they're operating in a different way that doesn't feel good. They're operating in preparation or in support of us literally saving our lives from the thing that's threatening our existence. And in the modern day, we all know that that's for most of us on a daily basis, more like the people that are saying weird things in the office or the level of intensity of the schedule that you've got to keep up with. It's not so much running through the jungle, escaping from a big animal with lots of teeth. And at the same time, your body is operating at the same response level, death risk level that it would have been then. And so when we talk about self-love and self-care, this is actually stuff that's as simple as starting your day with slow, deep breathing. Even a minute of that at the top of your day will change the way you experience your life. It's things like moving your body in ways that feel nourishing to you. So many of the clients I support exercise because that's what the word on the street is about how to fix yourself and make your grief go away and feel better and keep yourself mentally healthy. But what we're doing when we're in survival mode and then training for a marathon is we're actually continuing to put our body, the biological part of ourselves into extremis. And so we've got to seek out ways of moving our body that actually create and bring us toward homeostasis that are enriching, nourishing, energizing instead of more depletion. It's even something as simple as drinking a ton of water or taking a really honest inventory of your day about how you're scheduling your time, what you're committing to. How many things on your schedule this week are things that you resent, have huge amounts of anxiety about, or can't wait for it to be over? Like when we get really honest with the inventory of the life that we're living every day, some of these most basic things are actually what encapsulates self-love and self-care. So I kind of just love to demystify a little bit what that means because people hear like, yeah, self-love, let's do that. What does that even mean? It, it's so important. And like I, you said, you know, I see a lot of stuff on self-care and burnout prevention and it's you know, a lot of the same stuff that I see. But it doesn't go into that, okay, well, how do I do that? What does that mean? How do I um, breathe? You know, it's like, yeah. okay, it's a, you know, a lot of people say, well, I mean, how do I breathe? It's like, um, okay, well, 
you know, and there's different techniques, but you know, oftentimes I do is like, you know, a four, eight, four type of thing. And I did, I actually did this yesterday afternoon when I was walking back um, from lunch because I knew I had a, a, a meeting um, that was uh, last second schedule, which um, I want to make sure that I got there in time. So I was rushing a little bit. And of course you, you catch every traffic light at that point because uh, that's, uh, that's how things work in life. So it's like, okay, I'm not going to get agitated because I don't want to go into this meeting um, flustered or just, you know, really, you know, full of anxiety because I caught a couple traffic lights. So of course, when the lights there, you can just think, okay, I can, let's do a quick breathing exercise. And, for me, you know, I physically feel my blood pressure lower, you yeah. know, because again, I'm, I'm more aware of what my body is doing um, because of my cardiac event. But I just, I realized I'm like, okay. And literally it only took a few seconds. I didn't have to pull over. You know, I, I kept my eyes open, you know, and, and all of that, but I could just literally just take that and you can do that anywhere and and not in a way where anyone's going to necessarily know you're doing it because i know a lot of people are afraid well, this means okay get into a yoga pose in the middle of the sidewalk mm -hmm. and and start breathing no that's that's not what you mean if you want to do that and you feel comfortable with it by all means go to it i would say you know move over to the right a little bit to let people pass you know not necessarily in the middle but whatever you're comfortable doing do it but it's those simple things like that that uh, make a huge impact and again you're a big fan of drinking a lot of water too because i i think that is your body telling you hey uh, hydration is kind of important that's why you know our, our planet is mostly made of water because uh, as a species and other animals and creatures on our planet we kind of need it so uh, definitely consume uh, the, the right amounts every day yeah and it's not just for good hydration because that's what healthy people do right water in our body actually helps combat inflammation and inflammation is brought on by chronic stress chronic burnout pushing ourselves into survival mode setting up camp there staying there every day so it's a perfect example when you talked about your meeting and not wanting to go into your meeting with anxiety or feeling flustered that that, that mental sense of anxiety or feeling flustered actually originates in your body because your body responds or reacts to the perceived threat of what happens if I'm late to this meeting and what happens if I show up and bomb this meeting. So your body initiates its stress response and then your brain registers the anxiety that goes with it. But that's information that's coming from your body. So when we learn how to reset our biology with some of the things that I just briefly mentioned and you talked about water again, that's, it's actually having a tremendous impact on your body's ability to regulate its systems so that you can regulate, self-regulate your mental and emotional reactions or responses to those systems. And I talk all about this in the Beyond Survival Blueprint. I'm glad you called that out, that people don't tell us how. People don't tell us what to do. We've got these really beautiful isms that we should do. Self-love, self-care, gratitude. And then we're left with this big question mark of what do we do about it? So I love that we're really just getting into the weeds essentially about why are we feeling stress? Well, it's information that's going through your endocrine system. It's information that's moving through your nervous system and it's delivering information to your mental cognitive processes that's influencing your behavior. And a lot of times when we feel stress, 
when we're living in burnout, when we're locked away in a lifestyle of survival mode, we're not actually responding to life as our best and highest self. We're often making decisions that just perpetuate the problem and the pain. And oftentimes too, we're just basically firefighting things instead of okay. actually living. We're just trying to deal with, you know, little flare ups here and there. We're and living a life of triage. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. Sarah, I've loved our conversation today. We could probably talk for about another 10 hours on this stuff because it's the stuff that we're both in alignment with. And I love, I love how you, you know, bring the approach of, of, of the grieving and the loss in, in a way and how it's interconnected with all the challenges that we're seeing today in society with stress and burnout and everything else. So where can people find out more about you and the awesome work you're doing? You know, I'm on Facebook. I'm on all of the social medias. But if people want to just get a little pocket of peace started in their day right now, and I hope that it's okay that I offer this, I just want to give people a tool to feel super supported in their painful life transition. So I created this meditation for peace that's just this beautiful thing you can pop in your earbuds after this and just listen to it anytime you're feeling stress, burnout, grief, pain, fatigue. And so you can just check out my website at sarahnanon.com forward slash meditation and you can just download it and have this amazing resource right in your hip pocket whenever you have a flare up as you called it. That's awesome. And I'll definitely have that information in the show notes. Thank you for that, Sarah. And, and thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. It was a wonderful conversation. Look forward to more. Definitely. Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst case scenarios. I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get as a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening.